episode 1079, The Sight and Sound List, Part 2. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Matt Edison. And I am Ben DeVoto, and we're back again. I know, just, just go ahead and tell them what I did. Well, you forgot to hit record, so we did about five minutes. <laughs> Not quite five minutes. Okay. But we did, a good, a we did the less. intro. Yeah, I, I often tease Ben and pretend like I forgot to record, but this in this case, I actually, it it's a real. good thing I was checking back and forth, because, so what I do is I'll, I'll have open whatever we're going to talk about, and then also the, I'll be checking periodically on the recording. But this week we were really focused on Letterbox because we're going to talk about films. So I didn't notice until a little bit into this list. But here's here's the intro again. About uh, two weeks ago, back on episode 1076, we did the Sight and Sound List Part 1. And you had mentioned we had to end a little early on that one. Yeah, so what we didn't get to there was either the director's list or the films that fell off of the critics list uh, from the 2012 list to 2022. And what I was saying, and... and I won't try and repeat the whole introduction yeah. word for word because it just sounds artificial. Yeah. But what I do do uh, want to say and make sure everybody hears is like the the sight and sound list for this year was very good. There's a lot I like about it. There's a lot I recommend about it. I think that it's a good starting point if you're looking to get into film and want to have you know a guide to get you through. But where I started to have real issues with it and where. I much prefer the director's list as we get to that is when we look at the films that fell off of it. So I'm not quite sure how many there are in total here. 25. I think there's 25 on this list. 25 films out of 100. Uh, that's a pretty high turnover rate. And um, some of these are just astonishing yeah. that they fell off. No, I didn't tell you this the first time through. So this is a great thing for our new intro. Guess how many of these 25 I've seen? Five. Seven. Oh. <laughs> so you're pretty close. So Ben has seen all 25. I've all, seen all seven. 25. So I'll mention if I've seen the movie. But again, you'll only have to hear me say that seven times. Now, we'd only gotten through three. No, we started. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep, yeah, you're right. So first one was Godfather Part 2. Which I've seen. We've done an episode on it. It's a shame it's not on here because it is so good. Even though, like you mentioned, maybe it got bumped off because the people that were voting chose between the original or the sequel well and and you could even go further than that and it's like coppola in the 70s in competition with himself which he literally was at the oscars the year godfather 2 came out he had two films in the best picture category conversation and godfather part 2 wow you just think about that wow but like he just comes out swinging in the 70s godfather conversation godfather part 2 apocalypse now he makes literally four movies that you can make a strong argument that all four of those belong in a top 100 wow. of all time list. You know, speaking of Apocalypse Now, yeah. we can mention here on the main feed that over on the extra feed, we're going to be reading Heart of Darkness. And I actually wanted to talk to you about that. So okay. just a quick segue. Uh, there was a comment on that when we announced we were reading it that Andy was asking us to do a deep dive. I think we should. We should do a two-week deep dive on Heart of Darkness. Okay. It'll be a quick read, um, but we should do it as a deep dive. So how do you want to – because usually we do it in sections. So do you want to give me a section? To yep. Do? yep. So, so our original plan was to start with Great Gatsby. Yep. And then do you want to go to a deep dive on yes. uh, Heart of Darkness? And then um, what's the other one we're doing? Dal Mrs. Dalloway. Yeah. So we're, we're reading great things. We're talking about them in depth. Just why you should be on the Patreon feed. Just try it. Yeah, just try just it. Just try it. For the new year. Make it a resolution. Yeah, so, just try it one month. You you can you can download all of our old episodes and cancel. Just try it. Yeah, it's patreon.com forward slash the sci-fi Christian. Anyway, we'll talk more about that. Okay. But 
I think we should do it. Okay. I like that idea a lot. I'm it'll, with be, you. it'll be quick. Um, so anyway, Coppola, 70s, incredible. The fact that, you know, the rest of his career is kind of. He's actually made, you know, Rumblefish is a good movie from the 80s. He's done some decent things. Um, but the man is, especially after Apocalypse Now, like when we watch that, because I think you're going to watch yeah, it after we read Heart, Heart of Darkness, you should also watch the documentary Hearts of Darkness okay. about the making of Apocalypse Now, because it is insane. Mm. Like the way Coppola starts the documentary is he's describing the film and he says, you know, that we had too much time, too much money. We went up the river and we lost our minds, which mm. is basically the plot of Apocalypse Now anyway. So yeah, I would like it, to watch that. Fantastic. But yeah, Godfather Part 2, I get why it was squeezed out, but deserves to be there. So before you go on, I was going to mention that you had said the list that we're reading from has the movies, not ranked, but listed in the order of how high they were on the 2012 sight yes. and sound list. So Godfather 2 was the highest movie to be taken off the list this year. And next Correct. up is a movie I never even heard of called Gertrude. Gertrude from Carl Dreyer. So Dreyer. Are you forward or against it? Um. I'm I'm okay with this one being taken off. I, you know, love Carl Dreyer. Uh, Ordet, we've talked about a lot. I think you're going to watch it soon. Yes. I'm actually very excited to talk about it here on the show when we do. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, he has another movie around this same era called Day of Wrath that's very good and sometimes shows up on these lists. Uh, Gertrude is kind of the third one in that group, which is the least interesting to me. I've only seen it once, so I, I might feel very differently on a, a revisit, but Totally okay with that dropping off. Uh, Raging Bull from Scorsese. Yeah. Uh, you know this one. I like Raging Bull. I don't think I love it as much as some people do. So I'm personally okay with it not being on there. But I understand why other people wouldn't be. Early in the lockdown, March 2020, I watched this movie, and I can see from my review, I called it "The Godfather Meets Rocky." Yeah, you think that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's Scorsese with the kind of gangster stuff uh, but it's also a movie and i mentioned this the first time and and uh i'll mention it again here and this is almost exactly where we, we realized we weren't recording but technically like the technical details of the movie are it, it's astonishing and just the black and white cinematography i mean scorsese i've said it before but the guy knows film so well he's so undervalued okay you stopped me actually at the perfect point because yeah. the first time we did this, the next movie on the list is Touch of Evil from Orson Welles. And I said, here's my Orson Welles hot take. And I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. You stopped me. What is your hot take on my Orson Welles? Orson Welles hot take is that Citizen Kane is his third best movie. Oh, my gosh. And the two that I would put in front of it are Chimes at Midnight and Touch of Evil. Wow. I think both of those are better movies than Citizen Kane. Why do you think Citizen Kane gets a love then? Uh, Citizen Kane is, you know, it has, it's groundbreaking, it's foundational, it changed the way films were made. So from a film history perspective, from a, to the art of film, Citizen Kane is a more important movie. And don't get me wrong, like, I love Citizen Kane. I think Citizen Kane deserves to be on these lists, it deserves to be very high. It is one of the greatest movies ever made. But or, this is how good Orson Welles is. And this is why it also, there, uh, this gets repeated all the time. And it's infuriating that Orson Welles was a one-hit wonder. He was not. He was not. In fact, this isn't the only movie of his that fell off this list. We'll get to another one a little bit later on. But 
that one, which I'm not going to say the name because I want to tease it. Uh, Touch of Evil. You have Chimes at Midnight. F is for Fake. You know, he has so many great movies that he did after Citizen Kane. It's absurd that that keeps going around. Uh, Touch of Evil. um, I think most people... would probably disagree with me that it's better than Citizen Kane, but you should watch it. You, I actually think you would love this movie. Okay, it's phenomenal. It, it has a, it has a great opening shot that is imitated over and over again, where it's a continuous take crossing the U.S. Mexico border. Actually, Better Call Saul in one of their episodes imitated this shot. It was okay. inspired by Touch of Evil. Anytime you see one of these long opening shots, it's a single take. Uh, a lot of those are referencing Touch of Evil. Touch of Evil did it first. They did it best. It's okay. a great movie. All right. Next one up, The Mother and the Whore, which is a French movie. Uh, this one is, I don't know if it's available now. At the time I was watching through the sight and sound list, you literally could not buy this movie. Oh. Like, it was out of print everywhere. Nobody had the rights. The only place I found where it was legally available to buy was a VHS copy from Japan for, like, $300, which I did not do. Okay, so... So I, I watched this movie illegally. Actually, I think I found, like, a, a version without subtitles on YouTube that was uploaded, and then I separately got subtitles and synced them up in order to How be able to watch it. How did you separately get subtitles? You can download subtitles just independently. And then you download the video file, and then you're able to overlay them on top of each other. Oh, my other. goodness. That's so a I went lot through a lot of effort to watch this movie so I could complete my sight and sound viewing, um, which I think even though, you know, we're both in you more so than I even are against illegally downloading things, I think you'll say this was an, this was an exceptional situation. Like, when you literally can't watch the movie, yeah. what a choice uh, do you have? How is everybody voting it up if they can't even watch it? Just <laughs> critics, man. <laughs> well, clearly they didn't this time. Yeah. The mother and the whore needs to get back in print. Oh, here's a question. Do you think very, that, very average. Do you think it fell off the list because no one can yes, watch it? nobody can watch it. There's no availability. And as, oh, you know, wow. you have older credits like Roger Ebert who are that generation's dying off from a time when they would have seen this movie. Oh, man. You, it's just people can't see it. They should. I would love to see. Actually, it feels like Criterion exists for these types of yeah. movies. It wouldn't shock me a bit if they get the rights and publish this mm. eventually, and it maybe even comes back. I just don't like the French New Wave that much, so I, I can acknowledge good things about this movie, but don't love it. Okay. Uh, Wild Strawberries from Ingmar Bergman. Love Ingmar Bergman. Love this movie. There's enough better Ingmar Bergman movies where I'm okay with it not being on there, but this is a great movie. All right. Not so with Robert Brisson's Pickpocket, which is, in my opinion, his best movie. It is inspired by slash loosely adapted from Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. I adore this movie, and it's a crime that it's not on there. Robert Brisson... Um, I'm trying to see if he had other stuff that fell off of there, but he, uh, you know, Man Escaped, I think, is still on the list. Um, L'Argent is not on there currently, uh, but he has so many great movies. Diary of a Country Priest, which in turn helped to inspire Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, just such a such a great movie. Uh, Robert Bresson is one of those names where I think, like Mother and the Whore, even though he's more available. Uh, just not enough people know about him now. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because he is one of the great directors of all time. You owe it to yourself to watch his movies. All right. I have seen the next one. Rio Bravo. And who did Re- Howard Hawks? Yeah, this is a good movie. 
compared to some other westerns, it doesn't thrill me as much. I like it a lot, but there's a lot of other westerns I would uh, am more offended by their exclusion than that one. Yeah. I really, I, I, I can see, I really enjoy this movie. I'm reading my review. It gave it four and a half. It really drew me in. But when I think back on it, I can see there being a ton of movies better than this. Yeah. Although I really enjoyed it. Le Clez by Michelangelo Antonioni. And that's its actual name. I'm not making fun of him. Um, this is another director who I, I, it doesn't bother me that this movie isn't on the list, but I've struggled with him. But I feel like as I've watched more of him, I've started to it started to click a little bit more. So I feel like right now it doesn't bother me, but I could see it bothering me in the future. And some directors are just like that, where it takes a while to really understand them. I, mean, I didn't like 2001 the first time I saw it. So it doesn't bother me at the moment. Not so with the next one from Marcel Carne, uh, Children of Paradise. This is a great, 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 great movie. And also is just an important historical movie. I mean, they were, they were filming this in France during the Nazi occupation. Like there's this whole historical background. I don't remember the whole story off the top of my head, but there's historical elements of this that, that tie into it. And it's just such a shame, um, that this movie fell off the list. It deserves to be widely seen. It deserves to be acknowledged. And this is where it's like, okay, movies like Get Out, Get Out's fine. I, I get that, that, you know, people are seen a lot in a movie like that and, and, and resonating with them. And I think that's good. I, I don't want to take anything away from get out. I think it is a good movie, but you look at it, it's like, but it's something like children of paradise giving up its space for get out just feels like a crime to me. All right. Jean Renoir's grand illusion. This is a great movie. And this is actually criterion collection spine. Number one, one this was the first okay. movie. That's cool. Yeah. This is a, a really great uh, World War One movie. I highly recommend it. I'm okay with it not being on the list, actually, um, just because you got to get down to 100 movies mm-hmm. somehow. Uh, but it's okay. Okay, the next one I like, don't love, but I think you would actually love it. Really? Robert Altman's Nashville. I've never even heard of this movie. It's, you know, it. you like musicals. Yeah. This is like, you know, Robert Altman does great ensemble casts. Um I it is I know you I don't think you're a big country music fan but it's one of those movies where you don't have to be it just kind of you get into the spirit of it uh like I'm I'm liking Nashville more even as I'm talking about oh, really? it even though I don't personally love the movie but there's a lot about it I recommend it it's just kind of this slice of American culture in the late 70s and nobody does that slice of life stuff better than Robert Altman with the big ensemble cast the big production you have to see Nashville at least once I'm okay with it not being on the list but it should be there so I just looked up his movies it says I've seen two but as I scan through I only recognize one which is Gosford Park okay I I What's the other one you, no, I, you've seen? I don't know how. To, oh yeah, how I do this? Fade watched movies. Okay. Oh, Secret Honor. Yes. Yeah. Remember, I recommended yeah, that, that to you. Yeah. Okay. Which is honestly strange because Robert Altman is known for his big ensemble casts, and Secret Honor is a one-man yes, show. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, Robert Altman, great director. Uh, the next one. I desperately need to rewatch this movie. I've only seen it once and it didn't make a big impression. And I, I, I feel like that's 100% my fault. It's Chinatown from Roman Polanski. Which I've seen. I've seen this movie. And what did you give it? I gave it four and a half. Okay. And I only gave it four. So I need to revisit <coughs> Chinatown. 
So right now it doesn't bother me, but it bothers me that it doesn't bother. I think I watched this at a time where I was watching many Jack Nicholson movies and was kind of into him. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody gets to go through that phase Like Jack Nicholson. Uh, The next one is the second Orson Welles movie that fell off, The Magnificent Ambersons, which is a great movie. I'm actually okay with this one not being on there. I don't love it as much as some people. Uh, But at some point, I'm sure a lot of people listening have seen Citizen Kane. You need to get into the rest of Orson Welles' filmography. This was his Citizen Kane follow-up, you know, and then Touch of Evil, Times at Midnight, F is for Fake. You have to go and do that. You owe it to yourself. There's so much good there. Oh, and, and I, as I'm sitting here talking about Orson Welles, how remiss am I to forget his his two pure Shakespeare adaptations, because Times of Midnight takes pieces from the Henry ad from the Henry the Fourth, Part One, Two, and Henry the Fifth, and edits them together. But he did adaptations of Othello and Macbeth, which are just terrific. Like Orson Welles. Yeah. Get into him. All right. All right. The next one I think is probably the one we, we oh both feel the strongest about. The biggest tragedy. This is obscene. Like obscene to the point where i feel like its exclusion calls the whole list into question really how is this possible how do you miss this yeah it's lawrence of arabia how do you miss that this is one of our favorite movies we've reviewed it here i think three times yeah on the show and honestly i think part of it is that younger critics lack the discernment to understand this movie because i've seen not necessarily from critics, but I've seen like Reddit commentary on it. Well, it's kind of a fascist movie, though. That Lawrence, he's a white savior trope. Yes! Like, it's deconstructing that. Like, are these people mouth breathers? Or, uh, like, go watch Lopez and Lopez if that's your hot take on Lawrence of Arabia, is that it's just a white savior movie. And then you do, you, you just check your no, brains I- at the door when you went and see it. <laughs> To That's, see it? That Lopez and Lopez joke is a reference back to an extra episode we did. Oh, that was, so, that was yeah, a was, different episode. That was not this episode. This is the problem with recording multiple episodes <laughs> at night, is I, I reference things I said on another one. So and it's, it's, a, it's a great callback joke. Yes. <laughs> no one's going to get it. <laughs> the Patreon people yeah. will. Go subscribe to Patreon. <laughs> but man, like, it's just, I, I feel like there's a level of nuance to Lawrence of Arabia that people are too dumb to see. And that, that as... Woke criticism is on the rise. Here's the real problem with the woke mentality is that it gives you an excuse to shut off your brain and not think of things critically. And I think that's what happened to Lawrence. So you're not sure, but this is your guess on why it got kicked off the list. Yes. Obscene. Uh, I actually have a second theory. So that's theory A. Theory B is that you can send in 10 choices. And people say, well, of course, Lawrence is going to be on there. So I'm not going to worry about giving it one of my votes. Oh, okay. Well, so your prediction is next time 10 it's, years, it's, it's back on, 100%. and maybe even higher. Yes. All right. Higher than it was last, like, 10 years ago. I mentioned that I was okay with wild strawberries falling off. I'm not okay with this next one, which is my favorite Ingmar Bergman movie. And in fact, you should watch the miniseries, not the movie. Fanny and Alexander. This is like the culmination of Ingmar Bergman's whole career. It's incredible. It is one of the great achievements in cinema. Uh, I adore Fanny and Alexander, and I think it's criminal that more people haven't seen it. I haven't even heard of it. All right, the next one, Color of Pomegranates. I, I, you know, I wish this one was on there. It doesn't really have much of a plot, but it's so visually out there. I like this movie a lot. I guess I'm okay with it not being on. Um, 
But I wish it was. Uh, Greed. This is a silent movie that was originally 10 hours long, and we only have two and a half hours of it. Most of it's been lost. Oh, that is sad. It is sad. So does the story just end? I I don't recall. I watched it a number of years ago. I know Christopher Nolan's a big uh, champion of this movie, and it is good. I I guess I'm okay with it not being on. Um, But it's worth checking out. Yeah. Back in the 20s, like they would spend 10 hours in a movie theater? What else were they doing in the 20s? Not a lot. Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch. I need to rewatch this one. I've only seen it once. Uh, it's kind of like Chinatown, where I feel like the fault's with me that I'm not more bothered by it. I feel like for this list, it's almost like you want to give these another. Like, this list is causing you to rewatch these movies that got kicked off. Yeah. Because it's like, what the heck? Yeah, what the heck? Yeah. Uh, Jean Renoir's A Day in the Country. This one I'm fine with not being on there. It's a good movie, but it's also. Uh, I think he he didn't finish it. It's only like 40 minutes long. Um, This one was a little bit odd for it to be included, especially compared to other things that weren't. It's good. I like it, but I'm totally okay with that. Not so with the next one. Yeah, the next two, actually. The next two. Uh, Agira, The Wrath of God, which I know you were so-so on when you watched it. Yeah. I'm really curious to at least talk about this again after you read heart of darkness oh okay because the whole up the river yeah. trope like Gira is one of the best things about it uh, like that that's one of the best best examples of that that kind of heart of darkness mold okay i adore Gira. it's Werner herzog's best movie it's terrific and then seventh seal from ingmar bergman uh, another thing just a crime that this one's not on there like my Ingmar Bergman Mount Rushmore would uh, be Fanny and Alexander uh, Persona um, Seventh Seal. What would I put up for number four? I'd have to give number four some thought. Oh, I know what I'd put up for number four: Winter Light. Those are his four, in my opinion, his four great movies. Um, no, well, he has more great movies than that, but that's my Mount Rushmore, and all four of them deserve to be on a top one hundred list. Uh, the next one uh, from Louis Brunel, Unshine and is a short film. I think it's like 10 minutes long, 20 minutes long. Very surrealistic. I don't have strong feelings about it, except that it did influence surrealist c- uh, cinema. Uh, the next one's a very interesting choice. D.W. Griffith's Intolerance. So if you know anything about D.W. Griffith, you know that he's maybe most famous for Birth of a Nation which I've never seen. I do want to see it. I actually own a copy of it. I just haven't watched it yet Uh, because it's important uh, cinematic history. But Birth of a Nation, of course, is famous as the uh, Civil War film that presents the Ku Klux Klan as heroes. And so he made this, and he actually felt bad about making it, Hmm. about promoting the Ku Klux Klan. And so he made a movie about intolerance, called Intolerance, which is this. Uh, I like this movie. I don't love it but if you want to see just kind of a great silent film epic from that era and don't want to watch birth of a nation for all the obvious reasons uh intolerance is a good choice and then finally from powell and pressburger the arches uh which was their their film company name was the archers uh the life and death of colonel blimp i don't know if this one deserves to be on there but my heart says it does because i do love this movie Hmm. this is a a terrific movie 
That is your list of ones that fell off. Should we go through the director's list or should we do a part three? I feel like I've been talking for a long time. I know. I'm, I, it's kind of nice that you're talking more because I have a little bit of a cold, so I've been coughing a lot. So sorry about that, listeners. No, so that's I, okay. I'd say, we, I mean, we have time. Do you, uh, We were talking about doing a Skinny Fat Christian episode over on the Patreon feed. So if you're fine with skipping that, I'd say let's move on and do the director's. Okay. So what, what did you have planned for a Skinny Fat Christian? I, I was going to ask you for advice on my ankle. Oh, I, I give great advice. Okay. Let's well, leave us we'll leave 15 minutes then. So you've got, yeah, we'll, we'll, you've got 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll have a part three. But okay. we'll, we'll see how it goes. Okay. So we're, let's go through the director's list. Which is the far superior list, in my opinion. Um, I can see why, but we'll we'll get there. And uh, again, there's lots of ties in this. In fact, I think there's more ties because there's fewer voters for the director's list. Um, but starting out with a multi-way tie for number 93. And we start out strong with Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood, which is his adaptation of Macbeth. This is one of those where if it had, if to, to take the conversation we were just having and once I'd fallen off, if it wasn't on there, we'd be like, okay, yeah, there's probably a hundred movies better, but I actually am thrilled that Throne of Blood is on there. Okay. I, I love Akira Kurosawa. Uh, I love his samurai movies. I love Shakespeare. I love Akira Kurosawa adapting Shakespeare. Just everything about this movie just is fantastic. I, I know you have to read a bunch of movies. Let me just quickly ask. It sounds like you take this list more seriously. Is that true? Yeah, I think this is a more legit list. Okay. I, I, if, so, so if you're only going to choose one to go through, you should choose directors. Okay. The, so I don't know what to say about this. The critics list, you don't, do you not really respect it anymore? No, I, I, I still respect it. But families can have fights. <laughs> like It's the best list of its kind. Okay. But at least this year's edition has serious flaws. Okay. But I still like the, you know, have a lot of respect for the critics list. Okay. The, the second one tied here shocked me. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Again, I don't think that I would say this is one of the top 100 movies of all time. I kind of like that it's you know, that it's getting recognition, but this shocked me. And I know this is one of your favorite movies. I love it. I love this movie. I did. I have not looked at the director's list. I when we did the critics list, I had looked ahead. Okay, this is my first time looking at the director's list. Yeah. So, so are you shocked to see that on there? Kind of, because I like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yay! The directors agree. Uh, Michael Haneke's Hidden or Cash, as it's called in the original language. Uh, man, he's such a, a out there director, and I love him. Uh, this is not my favorite movie of his, but I'm glad he has a movie on here. He, he's just wild. White uh, Ribbon. His uh, Amore is probably his best movie. How many did you say are tied for this first spot? I think seven, because it goes okay. to 93. Yeah. Uh, Taste of Cherry from Abbas Kiarostami. This is a great movie. Um, it's about a guy who is uh, trying to commit suicide, and it's like his introspective journey along the way and then it breaks the fourth wall in the last five minutes which is very bizarre Hmm. but yeah this is a really really good movie it's one that roger ebert famously i think gave one star to Hmm. and so he's got a handful of movies that he's just been ripped for all right now a couple that we just talked about pickpocket and color of pomegranates Mm -hmm. glad to see they're both on here uh, the Conformist, still tied at number 93. This is uh, by Bernardo Bertolucci. I've seen this movie once. I liked it. I don't remember it enough to really give any commentary about it. Edward Yang's Yee Yee. Uh, Brighter Summer Day is a better movie, and I n- don't recall if that's further down on this list. It probably is, but this is a really good movie, too. And it's one of those where he just does these long, I mean, I think this is three hours, and then Brighter Summer Day is uh, over three hours, 
but they're long, intricate dramas. There's, I, I don't remember the movie as a whole terribly well. I've only seen it once. It's been a number of years now, but there are moments in this movie that just um, kind of sear themselves onto your imagination. And it's like, not even like, imagination's the wrong word, because that implies like there's some big fantasy elements, but just character moments that, that really resonate. And even when the rest of the movie fades, those stay with you. And I think that's a mark of great filmmaking. Uh, Parasite, which we've talked about a lot. Love Parasite. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's on here too. Moonlight. Again, maybe I need to rewatch it. Probably do. I didn't love this movie as much as other people did. And then uh, Battleship Potemkin, which this is a great movie. A uh, great uh, Soviet uh, propaganda piece, which it is, but it's also one of the greatest sci-fi movie or sci-fi silent <laughs> movies silent. of all, to- all time. Yeah, so Battleship Potemkin. Definitely watch. Uh, Wanda. I've seen this. Did not stick in my mind at all. Didn't like it that much. But I'll defer to the directors because they know better. All right. So those were the ones tied at 73. Now we have like a 21-way tie. Oh, my goodness. Going down. This will take us all the way to 72. And we start off with Kess from Ken Loach. I've seen this movie once, and it bored me to tears. I, I kind of hated this movie. Maybe I need to revisit it. It's like a coming-of-age thing with this kid with his bird. <laughs> Which I, you know, again, the directors know better than me. I'm being an uncultured swine right now, but I didn't like that movie. Uh, I did like this one, A Separation. There's uh, Shockingly, I don't think you would expect it just based on uh, watching the news, but Iran has a lot of great cinema. Hmm. A lot. And A Separation is one of the ones from, I guess it's over 10 years old now, looking at it here, 2011. Uh, but it's about an Iranian couple going through divorce. And it's uh, this searing drama that you, I guess, I, maybe it's just my own ignorance, but I wouldn't have expected that coming from Iran before I got into Criterion. Uh, but they have a lot of great, great cinema. Uh, one I think you would love, Sallow or the 120 Days of Sodom. You told me not to watch this movie. Yeah, I, I, this is one could not approve of you watching this movie. Isn't this one of your the most disturbing movies you've ever seen? Yeah, yeah. I, I watched, I, I watched it. I hid my face. I couldn't watch really? part of it. But I, I kept like a little cutout from my fingers so I could read the subtitles. But I, Gosh. like, I couldn't. And yeah, like there's a few movies that sort of are scary to me because of how you've described them, and yeah. this is one of them. I'll tell you why no. off the air. Okay, I don't think I want. Do you mind if just don't tell me? I'll. I'll tell you why off the air. I don't even want to know. It's more gross than it is disturbing. I don't think I really want to know. Let's just not talk about it after this. Chocolate pudding. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. They're eating poop. Uh, And it was chocolate pudding when they filmed it, but it was still, even knowing that, I was disgusted. I almost threw up watching Sal. All right. Anyway, moving on to a movie we like, The Conversation. I'm so thrilled this is on there. Uh. And then Largent from Robert Brisson. I was talking about Brisson a little bit. This is not my favorite of his, but this is a really good movie. Um, and it follows this money through a lot of different characters. So it kind of becomes like this uh, episodic film, but it's the corrupting nature of money. It's terrific. You know, I was just thinking I should have been doing all along is if we came upon a movie like, say, Conversation, where we did an episode and I could have given you the episode number. I don't have a handy, but we yeah, did an episode on Conversation. We did an episode on seventh seal we did an episode on parasite i'll try to keep i'll, I'll remind you okay you can look in the archives 
Yeah. Uh, the next one, also from Abbas Kiarostami. Oh, it's, again, a great Iranian director. Uh, where is the friend's house? Okay, so this is part of a three-movie trilogy that's really fascinating. So this is the first one in the trilogy. The second movie in the trilogy involves... is about them making this movie. Oh, I like but that. But it's still fiction. It's not a yeah. documentary. The third movie is about them making the second movie. And so, like, this trilogy I gets really, really meta. So it's worth checking out for that. I don't recall off the top of my head the name of the other two, but if you look up Where is the Friend's House, you'll find it easily enough. It's just... it. I will confess that I think that the the by the third movie the idea had stretched beyond the bounds of quality filmmaking into more of more a meta exercise, but it was it's pretty wild. Okay, I like that. Uh, one of Kurosawa's great non samurai movies, Ikiru, which is about an elderly man in Japan. This actually just got remade, and I'm trying to remember. I was seeing it advertised on Letterboxd, um, but this is a great movie. I. You owe it to yourself to go through Akira Kurosawa's filmography. Chinatown, we've talked a lot about. Mm -hmm. Another um, uh, ejection that's on this list. The Seventh Seal. Glad to see it here. Uh, The Ascent. This is one I actually just watched it because as I'm watching through Criterion, it was on there. This is a really terrific World War II movie, uh, Soviet movie. Um, Yeah, this one... I. It hadn't been on these lists in the past, so I wasn't aware of it in any context until I came across it in Criterion. It just kind of blew me away. This mm. is a really, really good um, war drama. I don't want to call it a war movie because it's not a war movie in the sense of big battle scenes. It's more it takes place in World War II with soldiers, but uh, really good movie. Worth checking out. Uh, Wild Strawberries. We talked talked about that one. Uh, the Spirit of the Beehive. Um this is like if you want to see the movie that influenced Guillermo del Toro, like Pan's Labyrinth, which gets all this praise and is an okay movie. This Spirit of the Beehive is the forerunner of Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, David Lynch, Blue Velvet. We've talked about that. Modern Times, Charlie Chaplin. Have you seen any Charlie Chaplin? I was just thinking the same thing. I Maybe, but I don't know for a fact. You should. And Modern Times would be a great one to start okay. with because it's partially silent. But not completely. Okay. So it's a little bit easy, more approachable than a pure silent movie, but contains a lot of his great material. Okay. Okay. Here's the one I was just mes- uh, mentioning, A Brighter Summer Day. Uh, and I, I talked about this in the previous one for the previous list, but this, is, again, is the one that Martin Scorsese helped get the negatives out of China. It's a Taiwanese mm-hmm. movie. So uh, the fact that, that this movie is available for viewing is almost entirely owed to Martin Scorsese. It's just people don't appreciate him. For I mean, they appreciate him as a director, and, and well, they should. But again, Martin Scorsese, a champion of so many movies, and he's a champion of the next one on this list, The Red Shoes. Uh, I've talked about this movie before. I probably talked about it in the last Sight and Sound episode. I'm going to talk about it again now. You owe it to yourself to watch the Sight and uh, the the Red Shoes. This movie, like, do you understand? I don't know if people know the difference between Technicolor and normal color but I, I don't tell me so i don't know enough to describe the technical difference but you know how like older color movies kind of have that unique look to them where it almost looks like somebody drew the colors in 
afterwards. Like they have this sort of sheen to them okay. that but that doesn't look photorealistic. Like there's a level of unreality on it. I'm probably not describing it well, but if you go watch like The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. you see Technicolor. So Technicolor, I think that we made a great mistake in cinema and moving away from Technicolor because it makes movies look magical that's the only way to describe it so it's, is it what you said it's they colored in black and white no no it's not that ex- like there's an actual technology behind okay. it uh, but it looks like that like the color almost looks artificial on it and so it's less realistic than For photography some, today when i think it of looks tec- amazing yeah when i think of technicolor this maybe is not the best word but i just think brighter yeah it is bright like there is this level of yeah maybe you're like yeah like unreality unreality it's brighter than reality right oh that's interesting i hadn't really thought about it before but yeah i could see what you're saying so let me uh, and i actually saw this for when we were talking about rio bravo earlier so let me let me just pull this up and i'll show you the the you see the picture letterboxd has there mm-hmm. and you see how that it doesn't like it's a color picture yeah. but it does kind of have that level of unreality yeah. to it so that's technicolor and widely used the red shoes watch that and it will if it doesn't make you fall in love with Technicolor, go burn every TV and screen in your house. You're not qualified to watch movies anymore. <laughs> like it just is it's a great plot too and great story, great characters, but it it's one of those movies that should make you fall in love with the concept of movies. Mm. It's incredible. Uh Tuki Buki made no impression on me when I watched it. Um San Soliel, this is the one from Chris Marco did La Jete. I think we talked about this a little bit last time. This is a movie I, I've watched a, a few times. First time didn't like it, and then it sort of just got under my skin after that. And uh, it's got this haunting quality to it where it's it's just narration over like travel log images. And yeah. It's like, what the heck is this? And then it gets into you, like you start to pick up on things in this narration, which at first doesn't seem to have anything to do with what you're watching. But then there's a sort of meta story going on in there. It's a very experimental movie, but it, it, it's actually quite incredible. Okay. Uh, News from Home. This was one of the three from the last list I haven't seen and still have not seen it. Okay. Shoah, we talked about this is the Holocaust documentary. I mean, I, I've probably overused the term. Um, you owe it to yourself to watch this, but you do owe it to yourself to watch this. Um, the Searchers from John Ford. We've La, done a, we have done an episode we've on done that. done an one. episode on that. La Cienga, another one that I've seen that didn't make a strong impression on me. I believe this is a Brazilian movie, or I guess Argentina here. Uh, and I think it's just trashy family drama. So, okay. Oh, we're with that one, we're down to a, a 10-way tie for number 62. Okay. Here it is, Lawrence of Arabia. Thank God. You know, and with that with that choice, the director's list became more credible than the critics' list. Sorry. So just by adding that in your mind. That's it. Yeah. That's it. The icing, uh, the cherry on top is later. Oh, yes. But And I think you know what that is. I do. Uh, but right here, they won the credibility argument. They'd already done it with some of the other inclusions we've got, but they won. Uh, Jaws. Another I love one. Jaws. I love Jaws. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I would say this is one of the hundred best movies of all time, but it's another one where it's like, uh, I'm not going to be sad it's on the yeah. list. I don't know why. I do not know why. But of all the movies I've seen recently, in the recent years, I should say, so I watched Jaws just two years ago. This is one I keep, it keeps coming back to me that I want to rewatch it. I haven't taken the time to do it yet, but I don't know what it is about Jaws of all the movies I've watched recently. I think it's like, you know, you think of what Spielberg 
and George Lucas, but especially Spielberg were doing in the late seventies. And I know you didn't like all like you didn't like Close Encounters, you didn't like E. T. But you think of like that and Raiders, like the whole pop culture mold and this in my mind might even be a mark against them here, but that like the whole pop culture mold, they were creating it mm-hmm. there. Like, like everything that you love pop culture wise since then, you owe to the foundation that was built there. So a movie like Jaws, it's like going back to the source. Like this is yeah. the foundation for all these things you love. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Tropical Malady. I watched this movie, didn't like it, probably need to revisit it at some point. Uh, Satan Tango. We've talked about this one from Bellatar. This is a great seven-hour movie. Uh, I'm not going to say you owe it to yourself to watch it, but it is great. You should watch it. But uh, Sunset Boulevard from Billy Wilder. Love this movie. Is this one Technicolor? Uh, It's black and white. I don't remember. I've seen it, but I don't remember. Definitely not. Oh, yeah. There we go. Oh, yes. I remember this one. A Blade Runner? For some reason, I was... Oh, never mind. I was thinking The Apartment... Is apartment in color or is that no, black, that's and black and white? No, that's black and white too. Man, oh man. I, I put those two together. Were they? They're both Billy Wilder. Okay, yeah. um, his probably his most famous Technicolor movie is The Seven Year Itch with Marilyn Which Monroe. I have seen. Okay. okay. Uh, I I was confusing. I was thinking apartment when I said I'd, uh, when I said I liked Sense of Boulevard, but I can see here I gave this one four stars also. This is, yes. I, so Billy Wilder, is this a. Uh, Billy Wilder's a great director. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is this one of your, would you consider a favorite or just Yeah, somebody... and he's, he's right here again with Some Like It Hot. Wait, you, you did, uh, you skipped over one quickly, Blade, oh, Runner, Blade Runner, which we've done an yep. episode on. Uh, Some Like It Hot with, Bill, so Billy Wilder is terrific. Mm-hmm. He, he's absolutely a terrific director. Uh, Late Spring, which you've seen. I've seen it. Yasujiro Ozu. Uh, Meshes of the Afternoon, this is the short that we talked about that I don't remember. And then down to 53, Vera Diana from Louis Bunel. If you want to know, I'm going to sell them a little bit short, but Louis Bunel's uh, films can be summed up by saying, ha, 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 isn't religion stupid? Oh. Which, you know, he has some great movies. I don't know that I would consider this one of them. Uh, Eraserhead. Oh, I'm happy to see Eraserhead here. David Lynch, Yeah, David Lynch. I love Eraserhead. La Notte, this is Michelangelo Antonioni. See the same comment I made about Leclis. Don't quite get it, but I feel like I'm getting closer to getting it. Here we go. Fanny and Alexander. And exa- Fanny and Alexander. I talked about this. So happy it's here. And there is uh, Mother in the Horror, uh, La Mama and Le Poutin, uh, as it's written here. And again, this goes to like critics can't see it, but directors, I feel like, who've really studied the craft more are more likely to get exposed to something like okay. this. Again, not a movie I personally love, but it speaks to why is this list more credible? Like there's a okay. deeper well of knowledge behind this list than there is the critics. Ali Fear Eats the Soul. This is just a great movie. Again, I don't know that I'd, I'd say it's one of the hundred best of all time, but uh, Rainer Werner Fassbinder, terrific West German director. He made it, he, he died very young, I think in his late 30s. He made an astonishing number of movies within a few years. We're talking like dozens of movies, mm. and it was due to the power of drugs. Like he literally, and that's also why he died. So kind of a double-edged sword there. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, Jane Campion, the piano. Uh, yeah, uh, sounding like a broken record. Probably not top 100, but this is a really terrific movie. Uh, I, I think you'd probably enjoy this if okay. you haven't seen it. 
Uh, Agnes Varda, Cleo from five to seven. This is one that deserves to be there. This is just a terrific, terrific movie what? from five to seven, meaning it takes place within these two hours as this uh, young lady realizes she has a cancer diagnosis and it's uh-huh. it, almost in real time walking her through her processing getting this mm. news it's a terrific movie mm. singing in the rain love singing in the rain i also love singing in the rain jumping, five stars jumping Ooh. down to 46 is a movie that sometimes is very funny dr strange love dr strange love <laughs> we've done an episode on that we have okay. and it is amazing regardless of what you think <laughs> it is amazing uh, hey, i was right in the middle three stars uh don't look now from nicholas rogue uh man this is just a weird movie i've seen it a couple times i like it i i don't love it nicholas rogue's a, a really weird director i you know simon and garfunkel uh, one of them i don't remember which one i think it was garfunkel was in in one of his movies and let's just say i saw more of Garfunkel than I ever wanted to Garfunkel, if you know what I mean. I, I think we all know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to do an uncensored episode explaining it if, if, if needed. Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, terrific movie. I've seen it, and did we do an episode on this one? I don't think so. Okay, but you did recommend this to me. Uh, Contempt by Jean-Luc Godard, only Godard movie I've liked. That's not true, but I usually hate him. Uh, Charlie Chaplin's City Lights. I'm kind of skipping over the ones I know we talked about in the last episode. La Atlantis by Jean Vigo. This was, uh, I think, in the top 10 in the 2012 list. That's just terrific. Psycho from Alfred Hitchcock. I love Psycho. Uh, so do I. And have we done a Hitchcock episode in general, or have we done an episode we've on done, Psycho? I think we've done individual ones, but we've okay. never done a, a Hitchcock. Okay. Uh, round, no, I think we have. Out of the, uh, round the block with Hitchcock. Uh, I'll have to write that down. Jumping down to ties for 41. Uh, come and see one of the most searing, gut-wrenching movies ever made. Like, it's a war movie. It's a Soviet wo- World War II movie. And it's about a teenage boy who wants to join the fight and gets way more than he bargained for. And it's just the horror. It's like war is hell is a typical movie trope. This one ratchets it up to about... 200 thing you wouldn't like it okay uh agnes varda's vagabond i hated this movie probably need to revisit it don't know why it's here though a man escaped from robert Bresson, um to which i i do have uh i don't know if this story is going to be funny to anybody but me uh but i'm going to tell it anyway because it makes me laugh which is well it's not inappropriate but it is stupid is that uh I have my friend James, who I've talked about yeah. various times on the show. So when I first first time I watched this movie, I had texted him and said, I'm watching a movie called A Man Escaped. At the very end of the movie, you see the last shot of, is him escaping. I texted him again with a picture of that shot and said he made it. And I just found that very funny. And he got annoyed because it was very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> A Man Escaped. I love it. It's a great movie. Uh, Night of the Hunter we talked about. Really, really good movie. Charles Lofton's only directed feature. Uh, Playtime by Jacques Tati. Terrific. Oh, I've recommended this to yes. you. You should see it. I, I think I have to. I think it isn't this a movie that is this the one you made for my thing to watch? I, I might have. I don't remember. Yeah, this one you definitely recommended to me. Uh, Federico Fellini. I don't know if we've ever talked a lot about Fellini before, but uh, yeah. La Strada is a great movie. You know, it, 
it's kind of the little brother to uh, eight and a half and uh, the Dolce Vita, which the Dolce Vita, I'll say it again. It's probably, well, it's on here later, I think. Okay. So let's come back to it. Uh, La Ventura by Michelangelo Antonioni. Same verse. Okay. See previous comments. Rules of the Game by Jean Renoir. This is a fantastic movie. Renoir's best movie. Uh, Alhazar Balthazar. Okay, I've been talking about Robert Brisson. <laughs> I've watched this movie a couple times. I don't get it. And I'm going to watch it again because Criterion did a Blu-ray of it. So okay. And I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. But um, Maybe this time I'll get it. But I would not put it higher than all of his other ones. La Jete we've talked about. La Dolce Vita. I was actually just thinking of this movie the other day. Uh, Roger Ebert said this was his favorite movie of all time. And I can understand <laughs> why. La Dolce Vita. I don't know if this will make sense to describe a movie this way. But you know how some... like. Some meals are utilitarian. You know, you just you're hungry. You need to eat something. Just you know, some meals are for fun. Maybe you have a like a pizza or something like that. Some meals are a five star luscious course, a feast. Is that the meal you want to eat every day? No, but every now and then you owe it to yourself to have a true feast by a master chef, and this is that movie. Three hours incredible you have to watch la dolce vita really you have to this is a movie that again for very different reasons than the red shoes but will make you love the concept of movies okay it's terrific wow that's a that's a big recommendation like one of the biggest ones of the night uh we're tied at 434 by the way for that one and uh la jete uh 400 blows uh, by Francois Truffaut. This is a, a great coming-of-age movie. I don't love it as much as some people do, but I do love it quite a bit. Um, terrific movie. Uh, highly recommended. All right, number 33, Sunrise, a Song of Two Humans, one of my favorite silent movies. This is just uh, a fantastic film by F.W. Murnau, who did uh, Nosferatu. Um, if I had to pick a... F- well, my favorite silent film is uh, Passion of Joan of Arc, but if I had to pick a second favorite silent film, this might be it. It's really good. Speaking of Passion of Joan of Arc and Carl Dreyer, we've got uh, a tie here at 30 for Ordet and Passion of Joan of Arc. Passion of Joan of Arc is better. Um, I mean, that's in your top five, I think. It's it's top three. Wow. 2001, Andre Rublev, Passion of Joan of Arc. Wow. Uh, So... You've heard me talk about Ordet. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. And when I say unqualified, Passion of Joan of Arc is better. That's how good it is. Okay. It's terrific. Man with a movie camera. Oh, everybody should watch this. Just to appreciate, like, you have to watch this in context because the context is movie making as an art form is brand new. You know, What's the relationship between filmmaking and theater? A lot of silent movies of the time mm-hmm. are shot very, you know, without yeah. the camera moving. And this movie, I think it's like 45 minutes. It's a Soviet film. It's a documentary of sorts because it's just footage, but it's this hyperkinetic showing all the ways that you can shoot, had the cameras in motion. It revolutionized cinema. Even if you just watch five minutes of it and you say, okay, I've got the idea. Like, still, this is a good very good movie to watch okay and it's public domain so widely available uh do the right thing by spike lee i like this movie a lot um this is a really good one i don't know if it's the 29th best movie of all time but very very good movie goodfellas by scorsese 
Uh, I would have put Taxi Driver here. I like Goodfellas. I don't love it as much as some people do. Speaking of writing wrongs here at 26, we've got Godfather Part 2. It's in. It's good. And my second favorite movie of all time, tied with it, Andrei Rublev. I love Andrei Rublev. You know, I, want, I was just thinking when you listed your top three, of course I've seen 2001, but I've not seen those other two, and it's sort of surprising I haven't made a point to watch some yeah. of your favorite films, so because I know t- you make a point to see I my favorite. I think if favorites. we expand, <laughs> expand it out to top five, you've seen Seventh Samurai yeah. and uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, which would be my other two rounding out my top five. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. You should watch those. Okay. All right. Tie for 22. We've got Raging Bull, Battle of Algiers, which is a great, great film. Uh, Panter Panchali, we talked about last time. This is uh, from Satyajit Ray. Great coming of age movie. Mulholland Drive. Now, I was thrilled that Mulholland Drive was in the top 10 on the critics list, but let's be honest. it prob- This is probably closer to where it should be, but really glad it's here. Uh, tie for 20. Rashomon. Have you seen Rashomon? No. Oh, you should. You should. This is another Kurosawa movie. And do you know the concept of Rashomon? No, not at all. So it's uh, the same story, but shot from different perspectives. I like that kind of thing. So yeah, and that kind of thing is people (laughs) ripping off Rashomon. (laughs) Okay. There's a great Simpsons joke, and I'm not a huge Simpsons fan, but I I think uh, Marge and Homer are talking about this movie, and Marge says, well, you like that movie, Homer. And he says, that's not how I remembered it, which is the whole concept of the movie is that people retelling the same story with different memories. Uh, Tied for it is Bicycle Thieves. Oh, I love Bicycle Thieves. This is such a great movie. This movie will you know, make you just want to be a better dad. I love that movie. Like, I, you know, I think of movies that just like, uh, there's all sorts of movies, you know, the world needs its sallows. Oh, no. <laughs> the world needs its bicycle thieves. Wow. <laughs> Probably needs more bicycle thieves than Salos. But man, you uh, and uh, like I've thrown out way too many movies where I've said you should watch them, but you should watch Bicycle Thieves. I think you would love it. Man, you have yeah, you have been making a lot of recommendations. Was, Somebody uh, needs to go back through this episode and, and and mark what I said. People need to watch my essential viewing list yeah. off of this. Uh, John Cassavetes of Women Under the Influence. I, this is a really good movie. It's not the 19th best movie of all time, but it is a really, really good movie. You know what would be interesting to do? This would be really interesting. Take the critics list and the director's list, which will have some overlap. You personally go through yeah. and you say, these are the ones. These are the ones. You should see. Well, if we do a part three, you it's going to be the choose, comparison between them. You can only choose oh, movies like from those lists. You can't I, add I like your own. It. Okay, okay. that would be a fun exercise. Right. Part three, sometime. Yeah. Uh, at 18, Apocalypse Now. All right. Which we've talked about. Okay, 14, we've got a four-way try for yeah. Stalker, which you've seen. I've seen. Did an episode on it. Seven Samurai, which I've seen. Uh, uh, we've done an episode on it. Breathless from Godard, even though I hate Godard. He's, uh, this is a great movie, even though I don't personally like it. And I hope people understand that distinction. Like yeah. You can dislike a movie and say, that was groundbreaking for cinema mm-hmm. and breathless was like people should see it for that reason even though i i think he's a in the words of ingmar bergman a bleeping bore uh beau travail by claire denis this is based off of billy bud sailor by herman melville um it's terrific it's terrific right. uh it's well we're not on the uncensored feed so i won't complete that thought Oh, I did Taxi Driver Dirty. I said I would have had that in place of Goodfellas, and here it is at, tied at 12. That's good. Uh, along with Barry Lyndon, the most beautiful movie ever made. 
hands down. Man, I've like, not seen that one. Like, I know just, you love it. You, you've you've seen, if not in a literal museum, at least pictures of the giant oil paintings with elaborate scenes. Okay. Imagine those as a movie. Okay, like you have to almost approach this movie as you're watching paintings. Just okay. a, it, it is incredible. Like Stanley Kubrick film, it has never been been equaled what he did with lighting in this movie. Wait. Oh wow! Okay, I, like, I, I don't he think has, I've ever heard you talk about. He has, how, I know you love it, but yeah, he has candlelit scenes, and and think about that from a technical level, how hard it is to make a film watchable with candlelit scenes. He invented a new camera. I think he used technology from NASA to do it, but he invented a camera to film Barry Lyndon. And even if you like, I've the the plot took me a couple viewings to really get and I have fallen in love with it and the characters but it's not as approachable as you know like The Shining has an exciting plot I know you don't like horror but it's an exciting plot and you say okay I'm with the plot Barry Lyndon's slower it's more methodical but just watch it it has the most beautiful film ever made and I don't think that's an opinion I actually think that's a fact you know if you watch this on your phone, you should be flogged. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I probably would. <laughs> you, you, you need to watch this on the biggest screen possible okay. in as high depth as how, possible. How long is it? Three hours. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Beauty takes commitment. <laughs> All right. Tie for number nine. Persona from Ingmar Bergman. I wonder if I should just go to your house and watch that one sometime. Uh, you should. Barry, you Barry should. Yeah. Not Persona. Barry Lyndon. Well, and, and Persona. Persona is great. Uh, you should make a note on which ones I shouldn't watch on my phone. <laughs> All of All them. of these. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, so the phone comparison, can you imagine watching Lawrence of Arabia on your phone? Yeah. It okay. wouldn't be as good a movie. Okay. You would lose, you would actually lose a part of the movie. That's what I should do. I should see Barry Lyndon at the Heights or something. Yeah. If, I mean, if it ever comes to the Heights, I'm there. Okay. Um, Abbas Kiarostami, close up. We talked about that. In the Mood for Love. Adore this movie. Wong Kar Wai. I know we're a little bit over, but we're almost done. Uh, Mirror for Andre Tarkovsky. I love Andre Tarkovsky. I love Mirror, but it's probably he made seven movies, and this one I'd put number six out of seven. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Eight and a half by Federico Fellini. With all respect to Eight and a Half, which is a great movie, the fact that this is ranked above La Dolce Vita is criminal. Absolutely criminal. Criminal. This is a great movie. It's a funny movie. Um, it's a very meta movie. Uh, it is so. It's called Eight and a Half because it was his eight and a half movie he made. He he co-directed one of them. Okay. So that's where the half came from. And then this was his eighth solo movie. And it's about a director who's had lots of success and is struggling to make his next movie, uh, which is this one. This. <laughs> it's terrific. Eight and a half is wonderful, but it doesn't hold a candle to La Dolce Vita. Uh, Vertigo. We've Which talked are, uh, we've, endlessly we've done, about Yeah, we've done an episode on this one. I've, uh, yeah, this is a good one. Two-way tie at number four, Tokyo Story. And Gene Dealman, which was the number one from the critics list. Yeah, so I thought, movie. I thought it was interesting that even here with the directors, Gene Dealman moves way up. Yeah. Uh, but not quite number one, but still. Yeah, huge something, jump. something about this movie over the last 10 years. And you know what I think it is? We mentioned this like with uh, The Mother and the Horror, how people haven't been able to see it. Yeah. And I mentioned at that time, well, I hope Criterion gets the rights to it and publishes it. They did with Gene oh. Dealman. The Criterion put out an edition okay. of Gene Dealman. 
in that, the last does, 10 years. That does help. Yep. 100%. All right. Quibble all you want, but this is a, a very good top three here. The Godfather, Citizen Kane, and the correct choice for the number one movie of all time. Your favorite Finally movie. made it. It's been hanging out in the top 10 of both these lists for decades. Here it is, Vindicated, 2001, A Space Odyssey. So why do you think now was the time for people? Why I, did it get all the way up to number one here? I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's a movie that, like, it does take time. I think that it's a movie that's grown and grown and grown. I think that as, you know, Kubrick is like that. Like, Kubrick, all of his movies weren't necessarily well-received initially. I should check how many times I've seen this movie because I, I think it took me three or four viewings to like it. Yeah, and, and think about that, but then on a cultural level. And it just grows and grows and grows. And then finally, you're like, fine, it is the best movie of all time. Like, that's fine. Almost, you know, it's, like, it's, it's a movie that just, you know, there's there's giants like Citizen Kane that are just out there. Obvious choice. And then here comes little 2001. You'll love this. May 2013. We watched together for the yep. first time. It's your first viewing. I give it two and a half stars. I don't know what you gave it back then. October 2016. So three years later, I think we saw it at the Heights. And I was yeah. like, you know what? Three stars. I liked it a little bit more. It's growing on you. Two years later, July 2018, we see it at a different movie theater. And I, at that, some point during that movie, I realized, you know what? This is great. <laughs> right? So I jumped all the way to five. And sure, you you could definitely say you may have had an influence on me over the years about how good this but movie, the movie is. It is but, the movie. But it is the movie. And now I actually think I feel pretty fond towards this film. See, it, its destiny is to be your favorite movie <laughs> of all time. Like, that's where it's going. It just, it might take another decade to get there. So I haven't watched it since 2018, so I'll, I guess I owe it. I owe another view into this one. Uh, all right. So that that's the director's list. So Godfather, I, probably my favorite movie, number three. Yeah. 2001, your favorite movie, number one. Yeah. So we're right on track. Director's list. Blows the critics list out of the water. At some point, I'm not going to promise when, but I do like the idea of at least doing some comparison and, and talk. Yes, between I would love it if I had the music, as we said. I'd love it if you look at all the critics list, all, all the films on the director's list, and only choosing from that pool of movies, you make your personal top, top 100. I like it. Uh, I would say... And if not, you know, if, if it's not 100, fine. What if, yeah. uh, if you feel like... There's only 10 no, good No, there's 92 yeah. that I really feel like you should see. I like it. So, uh, I will say, if you're only going to choose one list to go through, the director's list, and I give you permission. To skip you, Salo. Yes, to skip Salo. You and anyone else listening, to skip Salo. Okay. All right. Now, let me, can I just, let, let me just say what this about Salo, because I, I talk about how disturbing it is. It is a great movie. There is a reason it's on these lists. It just is also ultra disturbing and unsettling to watch yeah i didn't mention this but i've seen 29 of this 104 movies you just mentioned from the director's list is there any else any other film besides sallow that you would say you're gonna hate that one i think you would have a hard time with come and see okay because it is it's not as violent like it's not as bloody as some other movies but you you kind of feel like you've been through the war by the end of it all right all right. Well, should we wrap it up there? Anything else you want to say? That's it. Well, listeners, that's all from here. I'm Matt Anderson. I'm Ben Nipono. And we're the Sapphire Christians. Signing off. Goodbye.